<laughs> All right, we are live. Action. All right. So, so we are we are officially live and so excited today to be back for a wise talk live streaming session because I figure, you know, it's one thing for us to go back and forth amongst ourselves, but yet not really include the audience. And so there's a lot of things worth talking about. Now let's get some questions. And so I'm going to acknowledge a couple of people for taking time to join us. And so you guys should be able to see uh, across the bottom of the screen. Ed uh, Rice. There right. you go. So we got uh, Maria. Yeah, cool. I know Maria. So I'll just get a couple of people to let you see what they're posting, and then we'll get into some topics. So whatever you guys want to talk about subject matter-wise, fire it out. We'll try to touch on it and give everybody a chance to you know add a minute or two, put their thoughts on top of it, and then we can go from there. Everybody sell your silver and buy Bitcoin. That's <laughs> not <laughs> what you said last week. Yeah. Oh, man. And, and, and here comes Trader Steph to, to, to get my mind right. All right. So let's do it. So hey, I got a top I got a topic to start off the day with if you want. Go ahead, kick it off. It's uh, this is out of California. Uh yeah, land of fruit and nuts. We got a new thing coming. They're trying to pass it. It's AB 2070. Uh, it's it's proposed. It's not law yet. Mm -hmm. It would make voting mandatory. If you did not vote and you're registered, uh, I don't know if there's any limitations yet because you're hospitalized or mentally deficient. But basically, if you don't vote, you could be s subject to some kind of civil penalties. Mm. Now, apparently, California is not that strange in that, according to this article, as many as 30 countries have compulsory voting laws, including Australia, Belgium, Brazil. I just, so, I just think that voting so you is mean, right. You mean to tell me that California is going to dig up all of the dead people and arrest them? No, 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 no. If you're dead, that is going to be, and you voted. If you're dead and you voted, uh, you will have a natural exemption due to lack of financial capability. Uh, other than that, now, the thing that's scary about this for me, other than you're telling me I have to do something. I have to cross the street when the light goes green, even if I don't want to go that way. I have to vote just because I'm registered. The thing is, is that what kind of tracking mechanism is going to be set in place to be able to track this? That, to me, is more scary than anything else. Yeah, and not only that, do we, not only that, do we need more bureaucracy? I mean, do we really need that right now? Is that going to? Of course, get, we do, George. We yeah, need as much as possible because it, what we have, the level we have now isn't working. So the only exactly. thing that could, we need more. Exactly. More. We need yeah, more, but we need, we need more control over our lives. We need to be told what to do. Yeah. And we need it more centralized. Yeah. It's because a, the, 
Yeah, go. I'm sorry. Because the people, in, the people in control, really know what to do, and we don't. Yeah, it, it's it's just like quantitative easing. It's just, well, how much do we need? Well, I don't know. More. Oh, okay. How much money printing do we need? Well, I don't know. More. It, you know, it's like that Saturday Night Live skit with uh, Christopher Walken in the cowbell, right? <laughs> yeah, more cowbell. Yeah, that, that's more what, cowbell. Exactly, exactly. I mean, so what's there? Make it up. So, so how, so how, how will this California law impact citizens' willingness to vote? Like, do you think people will be pissed off and wanting to vote more, or how about the illegal immigrants there that are not registered? Are they also going to be held accountable for not voting, even though they're not supposed to be able to? Well, see, that's an interesting that, thing. That is ironic. It, whether you're whether you're legal or not, apparently, I think in our state and other states, you can be here illegally, not not registered, not properly in country, but you can get a driver's license. Now, driver's license, you're registered to vote. Mm -hmm. What what gets me is that we also have a law that says you your car insurance to drive yet when they give illegal immigrants a license i don't know that they confirm they actually have but right. they will be able to vote because how oppressive it is to require voter identification but if you ever go on the web look mm -hmm. up the voter id card from for example, Mexico. This is a specific mm -hmm. ID card, so you can vote in Mexico. But we can't have that here in California. Or oh yeah, I've got actually. You know, it's funny you say that. I actually have. Uh, I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, I've got mine right here. <laughs> is, that, is that the beard? <laughs> yeah, that was when I was in my uh, my terrorist stage right there. <laughs> hey, hey, while we're at it, you know, the whole Iowa debacle, I'm going to do a plug for New Hampshire today. Uh oh, whatever. We've been doing this for 100 years up here. It, obviously, I'm not been here 100 years, right? But uh, we've never had a problem with the council and everything's paper ballot. So you can trust us. Mm. Mm. Now, so uh, did you guys follow the... Um that the app, the app service that was supposed to help tally the votes was went down or was malfunctioned or something like that. And come to find out, I heard through the alternative media source that Soros was funding the app or, or something like that. I don't know who, I don't know how extreme this is, but do you think we're going to see more of that? You know, in state to state to state, like an app that's funded by you know some entity. It, it's it's all a joke. I I was watching it live and. And uh, and and in every precinct, Joe Biden was right around one percent. Mm -hmm. And then they had the glitch, and all of a sudden, the next day, he's at twenty-two, twenty-three percent. Mm -hmm. You know, it it's it's they. They cannot let a a nationalist win, and although I don't agree with Mr. Bernie Sanders, mm -hmm. he is a nationalist. He isn't a globalist, mm -hmm. and he uh, 
Bernie Sanders is a national socialist and and they don't mind that he's a socialist they just mind that he's a nationalist because the leadership of the dnc and rnc which includes mr i'm a wimp freaking uh romney uh (laughs) They're all global progressives. Mm -hmm. The key is you want to look for if they are progressives. A progressive can be a Republican or a Democrat. It doesn't matter. It's whether or not they're a progressive that really matters because those are the global elite Illuminati uh, Fabian socialist uh, you know those are the enemies of the national citizens yeah now, yeah I'm glad you brought that up Ben because I wrote an article about that about nationalism and I got some heat for it and it was simply the fact that people don't realize nationalism actually has nothing to do with political affiliation. You know, like Hitler was a nationalist, but he was a fascist, quite frankly, yep. and kind of socialist in a way. And, you know, th- th- that's a long story. I don't want to get into that. But, yes, nationalism is about having pride for your country that you live in. That's all it represents. So that 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 goes through all political ideologies. Oh, yeah. Um, now, so as, as we're talking, there was, a, there was a, a very long thought or question. I want to make sure I acknowledge that. So here's a question. Uh, it says, do you guys think our global world monetary financial system is a generational global debt-based fiat Ponzi scheme? Question mark. <laughs> and when it all implodes, all fiat currencies will go to zero. So anybody want to just elaborate more on that subject matter or, or what? Oh, I would. Yes. I'll, go. <laughs> I'll sit so, back. So who's going guys, first? Go ahead Ladies first. Ladies first. Jeff, you want to go first? Uh, okay. Uh, yes, of course, it's a fiat system based on debt. And at least in the United States, uh, it's a fractional reserve system, you know, on top of that, with regards to the banks and the Federal Reserve. Um, But fiat currencies are not going to go away. It's just going to be transformed into something else. And just here's my take on it. And uh, if you're interested in reading up on the theories, um, you know, check out Jim Rickard's books. You know, I think that makes it very clear and it's coming to pass. But like, we'll still have the dollar within the domestic borders, but there's going to end up being a a new currency that will be used for global trade, for instance. Mm-hmm. And that will be backed up by probably a percentage of gold, maybe a basket of commodities or what have you, potentially backed up via the IMF. It'll be kind of like an offshoot of the SPDR. Um, and then people will trade from country to country and they're, they're keeping electronic ledger. But as far as, you know, actually transferring gold on pallets, that may happen once or twice a year a year to balance the ledger. So there are, are a lot of different aspects to that question that could be answered in lots of rabbit holes. But yeah, the, all fiat currencies fail. That's a given. This one has gone the farthest for various reasons. Brent Woods, World War II, you know, we could go on and on. But uh, yes to the viewer's question. 
fiat currency, it's going to collapse. What comes after that? It's a crapshoot, but there are likelihoods. Yeah. yeah. Um, question of collapse compared to what? It's, it's, that's the thing. It's difficult about currencies is they're all relative to each other. So you could have a situation where they, they collapse at, at different levels and different times. And, uh, you know, you could it could look like none of the currencies collapse. It's just they collapse compared to everything else. Like, in, in, in other words, they collapse compared to the price of gold, the price of real estate, the, the, the price of hard assets. But it, it wouldn't necessarily mean that the dollar collapses relative to the euro. You know, if you get massive hyperinflation that, uh, throughout the world, um, the euro and the, you know could stay right at a 110 or whatever it is, or the dollar could stay at 100 or 97 on the DXY. But everything else would adjust in price. So it, it is. Stephanie's very right. It, it's a very complex question with a lot of moving parts and a lot of different cross currents. But uh, the bottom line, to her point, is the history tells us that all fiat currencies go one way, and that's uh, and that's straight down. Yeah. Now, while you guys are talking, I put something on the screen here, of which I've been covering about three years now, just anticipating the fact that they're going to try to go digital. And the Fed coin will be what it will be trying to be spun out as, as more central banks issue their own digital currencies, which is just a rebranding of the mess they already have out there. But it looks like it looks like the central banks are trying to remove the fractional reserve lending methods from the commercial banks and put it under their window and call it a digital currency. And whether it's Fed coin, e-currency coin or whatever, do you see that coming within the next 12 to 24 months? Because all of the other nations are already rolling theirs out this year. So can the Fed be behind the curve is the question. Uh, I'll actually take that question because it has to do with my lovely digital currencies. It, <clears throat> they have to do this. They, they have no choice because you have China, you have Japan, you have, from what I hear, Indonesia is actually very close. Um, you have Europe looking into it, and Europe and America, I think, are going to lag because everyone's way ahead of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, Russia is already on this. Uh, oh, and you have Venezuela, you know, already doing this. But what all of these countries are going to have is exactly what happened in Venezuela. Venezuela is not, uh, not the exception. They're the rule. Where in Venezuela, there are three cryptocurrencies that are legal. There's the Petro. And then there's Litecoin, and then there is actual Bitcoin. Dash. Uh, Dash. Dash is is not legally recognized, mm. Mm. but so Litecoin and Bitcoin, you can actually pay your taxes in Litecoin and in Bitcoin, but you cannot pay taxes in dash so the legally recognized ones are litecoin and bitcoin and the petro well the petro and i just like saying that uh is 
has gone to hell. No, nobody uses it because it loses value, just like their old currency. So the adoption rate of Litecoin and actually Bitcoin in Venezuela has skyrocketed. It, it's it's like off the charts, and that's where the rest of these countries, it, the same thing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That Litecoin and and actual and actual Bitcoin because of how they're structured and how they are decentralized cryptocurrencies. They're the only trustless, truly trustless cryptocurrencies where China knows that Russia doesn't control Litecoin, where America knows that Russia doesn't control Litecoin, Mm -hmm. and none of them control it, which means it's actually a real transferable unit of account. Mm-hmm. Uh, My turn? Right. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to take a slightly little bit different approach. Uh, first of all, for me, looking at what's going on nationally or internationally, I tend to look at the debt load. It's mm-hmm. somewhat of a balance sheet approach. You can look at all the assets you want, but if you don't tie them to the liabilities, you don't know what kind of position you're in. Just take the U.S. We're at 23 trillion plus just in treasury debt. Mm -hmm. Just to give people an idea of what one trillion is, one trillion seconds is 31,709 years. Nobody's going to live a trillion seconds. (laughs) That's one trillion. Our debt is our national debt, which is our national debt, the people's debt, Mm -hmm. because the federal government only gets money from, and this is what one economist told me, federal government only gets funding three ways. It taxes, it borrows, and it extorts. That was his word. Uh, The idea that money, okay, first of all, you you guys know I have a very specific term M1 that's in the banking system that's in the economic world. What M1 is M1 only comes from banks. Doesn't come from the Fed. Doesn't come from the Treasury. And most people believe that money is only created by the creation of debt. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. Banks don't just create money when they fund loans. They create money when they acquire assets and they satisfy expenses. Uh, Bank of England. Uh, monetary analysis director basically said that in 2014 banks create money period uh, we need to take that power back from the banks return it to the control and the benefit of the people now we have a much different system we can get away from a federal government the taxes we can get a federal away from a federal government that has the ability to borrow i i'm worried about cryptos uh, i'll just bring in the other side is that and this would be whether it's cryptos or it's Fed coin or anything else. When you only have an electronic form of money, no physical counterpart, you are completely dependent on the system of computers, computer access, uh, internet, and electricity. Any one of those goes away, 
you got a problem. And if let's say you're in China, and I think most everybody here knows about the China, China and its social credit score. Well, if they only have electronic money and your social credit score goes down because they're tracking you every day, every moment, what are they going to do? They're going to lock you out of the banking system. You have no money because only money, the only money accessible is electronic. Very important point the there. Thing, don't miss. It's what you're lacking your liberty and your ability to anonymously exchange goods and services, right? That's like a biggie. And they track it, everything you do, so they're going to tax you for every penny. Forget about it. Exactly. The, uh, and the thing, again, being de physically dependent on just one thing, regardless of what it is, for me is scary. And especially when we're required, when nothing will happen without the electrical grid. Go back into your history, 1859, the Carrington event. I don't know who Carrington is, but that's who got the name. 1859, we got hit. Earth got hit with a massive coronal mass ejection. This is huge energy hitting the Earth. At that time, the only reason, Pete, if we didn't have telegraph, you, you wouldn't know it other than you saw the aurora borealis down in the tropics. But what that energy mass did is, is it fried all the telegraphs, or practically all the telegraphs. Yeah, so imagine what would lines. happen. Some of the lines Look, caught on fire. <laughs> yeah, imagine what would happen today, God forbid, if Earth got hit with another one of those Carrington events. It all goes. This isn't, we got to reboot. No, every circuit is burned, or practically yeah, every one. I mean, isn't it possible for the coronavirus to do the same thing? Because, I mean... I don't know how electricity works. <laughs> I have no clue, but I would assume you need people to actually press a button or do something to make the electricity. And if no one can leave their house because they're on lockdown and everyone's wearing these hazmat suits, I mean, I don't know. Does yeah. that play Supply into chain issues. Yeah. Supply chain. yeah. Um, it, it's, I understand that we're all kind of preppers in our own way, but I listen to you guys talk and you're throwing out these scenarios of what if this, what if that, what if this, what if that, and as as I understand preparing, you can what if yourself into a locked a locked closet and never leave your house if you have that mentality. I I understand that at one point in our history that there was a blast of energy from the sun and we recovered. And I understand that we've had issues in the past. We've always recovered. It, it's, it's, it's like we get on these shows and we're trying to plan out this, this new system or this existing, you know, ev everything should be based on gold or, or silver and all that. Trying to 
create this perfect system where not one what if will ever hurt us again. And that that type of mentality will freeze you in your life. If and that's that's why I'd I'm an optimist at heart. I think that we're all going to be fine until we die. <laughs> yeah. All right. But I don't, I don't think it's a binary question. No, 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 no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Let's hear from the realist. I love when people call okay. them. I love when people call themselves realist. Like this all. Take, this all, won't take long, Ben. This won't take long, Ben. All right, bring but, bring but, it in, girl. No, it's not an argument of, of whether or not which one is better and which one isn't or which one's going to be around and which one is not. It's about mitigating your risk. Okay, this is not about the end of the world. But um, with a um, uh, an EMP impulse from the sun because of a flare, you know, that happened up in Quebec in Canada a couple of decades ago. There was a wipeout of the grid. Um, I also want to remind you that it's not – yeah, we'll get, we'll get back. Things will come back. It's going to be a complete mess if there was a major downtime because we don't build out our own transformers. To my point about supply chains, you realize it's going to take three to six months to get a delivery from China because they produce our transformers for the electrical system. All right. Now, are you with me here? So there yeah. are a lot of variables here to that. So, you know, my thinking is if we're talking about electronic money or Bitcoin versus gold and silver in your pocket, there's no comparison on one level. But at the same time, you have to decide where you're at. And it's not that you have to be one or the other, okay? I have nothing wrong with uh, cryptocurrencies from a speculative point of view, not from a get rid of everything else. And that's the utopia because then you're falling into the same argument that you're trying to make. You're doing the same thing. I think there needs to be a balanced approach. Yeah. You know? yeah I, uh, because I, we already have credit cards. We already have electronic money. It's just a different way of doing it. And I, I, I just don't uh, necessarily um, fit with all the things that cryptos were uh, originally touted as. That whole argument has fallen apart. So now you're basically back into a fiat type system where people want to use it for money in exchange. And you're, you're subjected to the same problems and issues that a fiat system is subjected to. But if you've got something physical in your pocket, or if you're a farmer, for instance, that has physical grain that you can barter for services from the doctor down the street or the dentist to get your tooth pulled, those things are important. Just blowing right. that off as being you know, some kind of you know utopia or he, it's not, not realistic, I think that's pushing it just a little bit too far. I think let, we have a balanced point of view. Right. Let's let's take a second and let's actually be realist. All right. She's explaining a situation where gold and silver, where she goes down, she gets her teeth worked on, her hair did or, or whatever with her silver. Right. That's not the world we live in. The world we live in is global exchange of value transferred in milliseconds for products and goods and, and services. That's the real world we live in right now. 
whether we whether we use credit cards or whether we use cryptocurrencies or whatever form of payment that that you use is irrelevant right now so i'm living in the real world that is going on right now she's planning for a world that doesn't exist yeah actually i think it does exist for that is yeah, actually that that, right, that world does exist for probably four billion yeah. out of the pop uh, the six billion people on the planet Earth. If you go to uh, Ecuador as an example, where I've spent a lot of time, uh, I don't even think anyone has a bank account. Uh, you know, a few people do, uh, but but not everybody. I, I can promise you, they're not going around transacting in bits off the internet. Uh, you know, it's 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 there's a lot of bartering. Uh, and, and anything that they do go back and forth with is, is fiat. But I, I think the whole point is that I don't think it's a binary decision. I don't think you're, you have to, it's like you have to make a choice. Do you want Bitcoin or cryptocurrency or do you want gold and silver? To me, they're just, it's like comparing oranges and Ford pickup trucks. They're, they're not even in the same category. And I think it's very prudent from uh, Trader Steph's point as a potential speculation for cryptocurrencies. And then on the other hand, I think it's very prudent to own some gold as an insurance policy. But I don't see what I don't understand why anyone would want 100% of anything uh, in their portfolio, whether it's real estate, whether it's Bitcoin or gold. <laughs> so watch this. I like that. I like so, this. Okay, go Michael, ahead. can go, I just pop Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, again, this overall, this is just wonderful because we get to have these conversations and we get to bring up all these different points to, I mean, you know, my position and I can tell you, I'm not locked. I'm not locking myself in a closet. I'm actually trying to help educate people to the way the system actually works so they can make intelligent decisions and choices about what's going on uh, to Steph's position about Liberty, freedom, independence. Okay. In California, don't tell me I have to vote or I'm going to get hit with a civil penalty. If I want physical money, I want physical money. I don't want all my money, for, regardless of the form. Bitcoin, electronic money, I don't care. Don't tell me all my money has to be electronic in somebody's computer somewhere. No, that's not liberty. That's not freedom. That doesn't right. give me the chance to, let's say I am... A crazy prepper and you know I want to have physical money stored somewhere so if it hits the fan I'm not without just along with my water my food and my lead and my steel of course the the thing that I don't that I'm I'm, I'm I don't like and that is this constant movement to globalization yeah we're on a planet i got that and it's round i don't have a problem with that but i want my country usa to stand on its own i want canada i want all the different countries in europe stand on your own because you have your own history your own culture your own language okay that's how you have and i'm kind of using the word in a pun that's how you have diversity because you have lots of different things we have one world order, one world government. We have no diversity. And, and, and a very centralized 
power will tell us what to do. So to, to sit and constantly work towards one currency or one form of money in the world, no. That, yeah, and that, 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 and that scares I, me. I'm actually right with you. I'm all about choice of whatever currency if if anybody wants to go out and go shopping with their silver i'm all for it if they want to use litecoin i'm all for it if yeah. they want to use usd i'm all for it whatever works in your situation or whatever whatever helps you sleep at night i'm all for it but i'm what i'm saying is that actually moving forward a lot more things are going to go digital than they are going to go this way but that's going to always be around because it's 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 historical it's it's well trusted and proven so it's going to always be there but yet the the they they want here's the problem i have they they want to steer us towards digital i mean that's the objective of the powers that be and it happens to be exciting because we have something now that's been labeled as decentralized that plays along with that narrative as well. So I think that's primary. That's one of the primary concerns. Well, We're going to find out how decentralized it really is down the stretch. It's really it's exactly like silver. Now, mm -hmm. with silver, there are different types of silver, and let me explain. Is this all right? Uh, there are certain coins that are have like codes or whatever printed on them like certain bars and all that where where you trust that little symbol on it you trust that that is you know 0.999 silver because it has that logo or whatever on it that that is what we have in cryptocurrencies. And there will be uh, coins that are minted by the federal government. Some people might not trust those coins and would rather just have a hunk of raw metal that has no like numbers on it no symbols on it no authority approving this you know uh, or anything like that but some people will and in cryptocurrencies there are actually cryptocurrencies you can use that are untrackable untraceable cannot be traced i don't care how many computers you get it absolutely cannot be traced and that is the future representation of a slab of silver or a a shard of silver and it's 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 just we're each right it's just we it, and that's why this show is so great because you have me who's 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 in like cryptocurrencies then you have your silver lady your silver guy your real estate guy 
your I played basketball and kicked everybody's <laughs> ass. Now I know almost everything about currency and I follow global <laughs> news guy. You know, we all actually come in here and we have our peace. And if you put us all t- together, not only are we one good-looking son of a bitch, but <laughs> we're we're all we're also there's there's not much that's gonna get past us. Yeah. Hey, now watch Alan, it. Hey, hey, Alan, I, to your point, you're, you 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 briefly touched on um, globalism. Yeah. And and wanting to keep your liberty, you know. Um, to that point, you know the argument you hear a lot from folks is, well, we won't have war. And I, you know, I, I kind of have to just hold my breath for a minute and say, have you ever heard of civil war? Well, not only that, you ever heard of Venezuela? Exactly. I, I, what? Yeah. yeah. War. I, I don't, yeah, Is you that have a war between the people and the government. Right. It's going to be a lot more than I mean, that with all that social unrest happening around the world. But watch exactly. this. One more, one last thing, Michael. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Regarding moving forward, uh, I get that, and and I I echo some of the things that. Okay, are you going by the title Silver Ben now, or just Ben? Uh, (laughs) Anyway, I like the question too, Ben. Do you own any precious metals? (laughs) So yeah, I left it on there so he could see it. (laughs) Okay, to, to the point. How can we, as and just speaking of the U.S., how can we really consider moving forward until we really understand? Yeah, that's a nice coin. Uh, until we understand where we actually are, what's really wrong, and how we're going to deal with it. Because to say, oh, we're just going to move down the line and ignore the fact that we have unpayable national debt. Forget the state, forget the unfunded pensions or underfunded pensions, forget personal and business debt. We got more debt in the system than we got money. So it's it's really kind of hard for me to grasp that we're going to move forward into some kind of wonderful monetary system if we don't really understand how we got to where we are. I uh, Another reason for physical money is yeah, you can have transactions that are untraceable, but that begs the question, why are we allowing our federal government to track us in this way? This is absurd. Yeah, that, I, we, um, that, that, that we don't, last thing, that we don't really, as individuals united, say, no, you're not doing this anymore. You don't need to know what I bought at the supermarket. Okay, we're done with this. So whether I'm using physical or a, a form of electronic money, which could be a credit card, a debit card, a check, whatever, this is, uh, this is ridiculous. And that regardless of what money is, and if you look at the history of money throughout time, money has been animals, animals furs, animal hides, it's been foodstuffs like wheat, tobacco, and of course, whiskey. It's been stuff that I call couture, beads, blankets, mm-hmm. seashells. It's been metals, including copper and iron and bronze. It's been mm-hmm. everything. Let's focus on, let's remember, money 
I need one great purpose. It took us from barter to indirect transactions. Whatever a society decides is money, if it facilitates, it makes happen. The indirect transaction, it has done its job. It really does, to me, it really doesn't matter what it is as long as the society has decided this is money uh, and then everything gets valued in terms of that. If it facilitates the indirect transaction, wonderful, got it done. That, that, I mean, and keep this in mind, this is my take on it. It's people, our, our ancestral planetary or planetary ancestors who came up with, developed and matured the idea of money, not banks, not governments. The power to create and extinguish money rightfully belongs with people, not banks, not governments. This to me is the battleground to begin to take it back. And then we can figure out what our money's going to be. All right, now watch this real quick, real quick, real quick. So we're about 40 minutes into it and we're talking a lot about the financial matters, the monetary system, the economy. So let me, let me I want to transition to this because I think outside of this subject matter here, the more important subject matter is the ongoing trend of the fact that the economies around the world are imploding at the same time where there's clearly some type of shifting away from our old monetary system into the new. And typically there's a war. And so we're not at war, but yet can this new pandemic event be the replacement of war, which will force us to, or not us, but the powers to be, instead of using war, because they couldn't get that with this Iran-Iraq situation, can this, can this, this, this CV, as I'm going to call it, because if I use a word fully, they're going to instantly demonetize me. But can the word CV, <laughs> this pandemic, can this be the war? Because if this thing is the real deal and it spreads and it becomes a real true problem, it don't matter how much money you got. You may not live long enough to enjoy it. So the CV, how severe is this? Is this something that can be used as a war to shift our monetary system into something else? Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, they don't really need a war more than they just need an event. Mm -hmm. They need something to point at that will lower global trade or local trade. Anything that will hamper the everyday exchange of goods and, and value is what they're looking for. And this, this with, with China, like, they're shutting down plants. They're shutting down iPhone, you know, manufacturers. They're shutting down, you know, the the poor Seven Eleven guys. Hamid is just sitting there in Seven Eleven, not being able to friggin' sell any of his big gulps. <laughs> you know, things are getting crazy, and it it's they just need an event or a reason why that the global monetary system is slowing down linked with the s supply chain of significant assets across the, the globe. Oh yeah, I think this is what they're gonna try and use uh, as the election gets closer, they'll they'll use this prior to the election. They won't let the election happen and then use it. Yeah. 
Anybody else? Anybody, anybody have any thoughts on that? Because it's February. We're at the beginning of the year. George, George, you got anything? Not, not too okay. much. I, I did a video on the unmentionable, as Mike said, that of course got demonetized. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I would pretty much suggest everyone that wants to know more about this, as far as the actual facts and the details, just to go to Dr. Chris Martinson's uh, YouTube channel. And he's been, he's a, 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 a virologist. He has his PhD, obviously. And um, he's been tracking this and he, he just, it's, it's not sensational. He just goes over the facts. He goes over things um, such as the R naught value, which is extremely important. That basically tells you how fast that it's actually spreading. And he just goes over all of the statistics. And um, it, I can say after watching his videos and just, looking at it from a common sense perspective, it's a much bigger deal than you're hearing in the media. That That is for sure. Now, whether there's some sort of ulterior motive, uh, I have, I, I don't know. I have, uh, I have really haven't thought too much about that I, because I've been really focusing on the economic impact of what this uh, could be and how the Fed's response will be to this relative to what the, the the People's Bank of China has done, and then kind of what the central bank, you know, how much liquidity is going to be created if this does get out of hand, and this could be th this is a this is a really big deal because if you if you kind of take it out a few steps, and if the Fed, let's say, does come in and start another round of quantitative easing, which which they actually admit to, where they're buying the long end of the yield curve, and what what if that doesn't prop up markets? Right. So so what if this time around, no matter how much money they print because of the severity of the the catalyst, which in this pick, uh, case would be the, the CV, um, what if the, the market says, you know what, we're too worried about this thing and we're not going to buy the market no matter how much money you print. So then you've got the central banks of the world being uh, they have no ammo. Well, what do they do? They, they can't do anything and the market completely takes over. This could be, and I'm not saying it is, but it, it could be uh, a catalyst like that that uh, is the end of the power of the, the central banks. George, I'm uh, right George, with you. What, what was the name of that doctor? Uh, Mike just had it up his website. I saw that. His website is Peak Prosperity and it's Dr. Chris Martinson and Thank his you. YouTube channel is Peak Prosperity. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's and you can, see he, you can see he's got uh, in the, you know, he's getting a ton of views. He's, he's really a smart guy and he's, he's, he's also an Austrian as well. So it's great to have that perspective. I want to bring to the table another virologist. Um, unfortunately, I've had my head buried in this SARS 2.0 issue since it really took off um, around, at least in the mainstream media, around the second week of January. I hit my first article on January 21st, but I, I've written several articles, multiple. But the virologist that I suggest that people also focus on is Dr. Henry Nyman. And, and the reason I say that is because he was been a virologist for 45 years. And he was the guy that identified the uh, mutation in the original SARS outbreak in 2002-2003 contacted the guy in China. They wrote a white paper and alerted the public. He's the guy that really understands the nuts and bolts on a gene sequence level. Plus, now he's 
providing all the information that he is aware of and has access to freely to the public on his website. Um, as far as the effect and where we're at with this, look, the cat is out of the bag, mm -hmm. number one. Yeah. Um, what we're really looking at now, what we already have in China is the potential that can happen everywhere else. But what they're focused on looking at now, they're looking for sustained clusters. So human to human transmission is otherwise known as onward transmission. But then from that point, you go into onward progression where the person that you infected starts to infect more people. But what we're looking for in the United States right now is a, a, a progression that goes beyond. So, for instance, China right now is in the mitigation phase. They are beyond containment. They are in Spanish flu mode. Okay, Right now, we are in containment. But the president's uh, committee that he formed several weeks ago that were on top of this, we're in the mitigation phase, but uh, I'm sorry, we're in containment, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to be in a mitigation phase several weeks from now because of lag time. So there are a lot of variables with this particular story, but the cat is out of the bag. There is a potential for Spanish flu action worldwide. Money flows in capital. At first, it's going to look for the best house on the block, the best safe haven. And I think, I think... That the reason there's still cash flowing into the states is because, I mean, other countries aren't affected as much as China as well, just like we are not at this point. But we do have clusters here. But once things start to look financially bad, the dollar's not going to look so attractive because we're like floating on top of negative interest rate territory when you look at real interest rates. And um, you're still getting yield in junk bonds, for instance. So um, nobody knows any professional who's worth a grain of salt is going to give you those facts and let you know that actually we don't know this is going to take weeks if not months to play out and you need to practice once again risk yep. management mitigate yeah. the risk well, and also uh, my, my shot on this the uh, regarding cv uh, <laughs> it's interesting you know once again I mean, again i'm not knocking the chinese people the country the culture uh, i'm no fan of their government but once again, we've got a, a massive problem coming out of China. Forget how much pollution comes out of China. What I'm seeing is the potential that you're going to affect air travel because if you're up on a, if, you know, if you're about to take a flight, aren't you going to wonder, uh, did this plane ever go in or out of China? And how are they disinfecting the air systems? in that plane uh when they bring people out on charters what are they doing to those planes when they get them here the what i see and you know china closed down the city or a, a municipality wuhan 11 million people it closed it down why do you do that if it is if there's not a great potential for a problem uh this to me has the potential of disrupting trade no it has do you really he, do you really want to open that box from china this phase and, one deal is done and, yeah he, and then and oh. then the and then as is as, as this transpires if this gets god forbid if this gets worse and worse you're going to have less trade potentially internationally 
you may be disrupting people's work lives because there's no work. Uh, you, you may start losing your supplies of things. Another reason why America really needs to work, go, go back to forget international trade for a moment. We need to go back to being self-sufficient as a country, not not globally dependent because you can get something cheaper from another country because they pay their workers nothing. Okay, so that means we're supporting this kind of activity. America was so strong going into, may we never have to again, WW2, just because this country is basically self-sufficient. We need to return to being self-sufficient as a country as much as we can. The, I, you know, the problem is that at this current moment, we don't have the leadership or individuals that even are aware of what it takes to, as our representatives, be selfless as opposed to selfish. Nevertheless, our people have been so brainwashed and dumbed down that everything we do is usually in our own best interest. So there's going to be some conflicts no matter what. So, yeah. But that's not even the problem, Mike. The, the, yeah. the real problem is is where just go down to your local Walmart or your Home Depot or your uh, Target, yeah. anything like that. None of that stuff can be made in the United States at the same price, not even close to the same price. So let's right. just say that you could get all that capital to come into the United States and to invest and do all those things. And then you're able to build all the infrastructure needed for all those products. First of all, it's gonna take you 10 or 15 years. And then the other problem is the cost of that, let's say $2 plastic item at Walmart is now gonna be $10 or $20. Uh, the, the, there's just no way that the, the people, there's no way anyone could afford those products and the standard of living in the United States would utterly collapse. And I think most Americans don't realize how tied their standard of living is to China not first and foremost from the goods and services that they get from China at a discounted rate, but also because China keeps our interest rates extremely low. So, you know, I, I agree that China causes a lot of problems with, uh, you know, the government and pollution. But uh, I think Americans need to realize that if it wasn't for China, that their standard of living would be cut in half. Hey, hey, I'm going to take the other side of that real thoughts. quick. And that, I agree, George, that if you go down to any big store and you look, if you went up and down the aisles to see where it's made, it could be over half is made in China. But there's the short-term cost and then there's the long-term cost. And if we focus only on the short-term cost, which is, okay, it's going to cost me two bucks to go get it. But we, you know, people are out there saying they really love the planet. They really care about the planet and the environment. Every time we buy something from China, you are buying something that is coming from the most polluted, most polluting country in the world, which means that's what you're supporting. If you want to know where most of the great Pacific garbage patch comes from, this is the research I've done. It's coming from China, India, Asia. 20% of it is estimated to come from Japan yep. after the tsunami. The point is the, the short-term cost is two bucks. The long-term cost is what happens to our planet from pollution. The other long-term cost is, and yeah, it's not going to be an overnight thing. I agree. But do we want to have something that makes us stronger, more capable as a country, or do we want to be more dependent and, and support 
countries that are massive polluters. I say I'll I'll go with only wearing only having one pair of running shoes. I don't need three or four. No, I would rather you, have. Yeah, uh, that that's, but it, I don't think it's a a choice. I think that's my point. We don't have a choice. There, there, there is even if we could wave a magic wand and everyone agree and all the politicians and all the people to say, okay, from now on, I'm just buying U.S. goods only, and we're going to bring all that back in, and we're going to go back to the 19, uh, let's say, 30s or 40s or or what have you, 50s. Um, that's not a choice. That that uh, that that's um, no longer an option because in order to do that, you would. Um, I mean, you're talking about something that would look uh, 10 times worse than the, the depression in the 1930s. You're talking about taking the United States down to Mexico. That, that's basically what uh, um, no, Mexico hey, Mike, better. Yeah. Mike, I, I'm sorry, guys, I don't want to interrupt. I threw a, a couple links there in, in our private chat. For, yeah. Um, I mean, could you just show show the the guests who are hanging out watching the show so they can see it? And Yeah, yeah. not only that, but the debt. I mean, that's where your biggest problem is, Alan. It's, 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 yeah. the, it's the treasuries. And, uh, you know, if that's if what treasure, I've been saying, that's what I've been saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. If, 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 um, actually, let me let me just think this through, because, yeah, if you could reduce the debt, the national debt down to where it was like, let's say, 30, 40 percent of GDP. And. Yeah, I, I, I could probably come up with a way <laughs> that you that it actually might be possible. But boy, it. Uh, yeah, it would be tough. So I don't want to say it's impossible. I don't want to say it's impossible. It's um, as for the supply of like what's available at Walmart and all of that. Yeah, we are going to lose product availability in in certain areas, but those products not showing up in your shelves is not good. You're not going to know what's not there. Yeah, but you're you going to know when you can't buy a car. I mean, let's well, not, let's not it, forget that it's not just Walmart and Target. I mean, China creates parts for pretty much every single thing that you use. I mean, you're not going to be able to use an iPhone. Uh, most of the, the foreign cars you're, you're not going to be able to buy any of those. Well, I, I mean, it, it's not just Target and Walmart. It, I mean, it, it's that, every single thing that, that you have in the house. That I'm going to have to disagree with because as a trucker, I I know that there, there are parts, warehouses, and parts production uh all over America that can actually retool within about a week and produce any car part that you need like that. There are where there are places in Tennessee, there are places right outside of uh of uh of uh of of Flint. There's uh, there's a place right outside in uh, in Oklahoma City that literally can retool and produce any car part that you need. Plus, mind you, the 3D printing 
It's gonna be big. There, there are there are production facilities that are being put in in Illinois, uh, Michigan, California, uh, Virginia, I think, and Tennessee. That these 3D printing places will be able to mass produce anything that is needed. And I mean mass produce. And, and actually cheaper than getting them in China. Yeah, they, I think there's going to be a combination of a lot of different sources. Some things, there'll still be international trade, right? But I had a, a great experience with 3D printing, by the way, at the dentist. Yeah. The dentist I went to because, you know, I was taking care of my, my, my folks. And um, I went to the local dentist and uh, I had to get a, a crown and uh, replaced. And, you know, I figured I'd have to come back in two weeks. You know, it's standard procedure. They send it out. They, they, they manufacture it. It comes back. They check it. They sand it down, whatever. He says, uh, no, we're going to have it done in an hour. We got a 3D printer machine in the back. I'm... Um, it was awesome. You're going to better do car, houses, car. I've, I've seen a house. I saw some YouTube videos of a house being made in 24 hours, like a full-fledged yeah. cement house. I'm like, dang it. So it's going to be there. That's I'd, like to, I'd like to add to this that, again, I, having the back and forth is wonderful because it's great to see as many different sides. The I, I reflect back on WW2, and if, it, if you've ever been to New Orleans, or if you haven't, make sure you check out the World War II Museum. It is an absolutely fabulous, it's all homegrown. It, it, it's basically the National World War II Museum, but it was created and maintained by the people in New Orleans. I learned there that when we uh, were requested to join the, the combatants uh, for Harbor, we had, U.S. had about a million people in uniform. Germany and Japan had approximately eight or nine million in uniform. How is it that America, who was making cars and trucks, could so quickly move to tanks and airplanes and everything else needed? Well, one of the ways they were able to do it is that people back home, they actually recycled. They recycled tin cans. They recycled the kids recycled their tie, their bicycle Rubber. tires. Yeah. Everybody pitched in because the common goal, the common benefit, our own personal best interest is to save our country. Yeah, now, but they I'm also pegged the yield curve and we had a 30% savings rate. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm sorry, it's going to be it goes back to your point no, of debt. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it's going to be necessarily easy. It's not going to be instantaneous. But I would put, I would, I'll take the position. This is necessary because yeah. if you on a keep, macro level, we need to get back to self-sufficiency yeah. at some level. Yeah. They if you keep feeding the monster that is polluting the world, then don't don't start complaining about why the world is so polluted. For if for, for any other reason. And yeah, we need it, it's not gonna be instantaneous, it's gonna take some time. Uh but the fact that America still has the talent and the physical capability of making the parts or devices or things we need, in the long run, we'll be better off. Yeah, and we don't have the money. We don't have the money we had in World War II. 
I mean, look at the debt to GDP back then in relative to what it is now. I mean, and then they peg the yield curve. How does the Fed going to expand their balance sheet to peg the yield curve for 10 years? We're going to default. That's why. Yeah, they peg the yield curve. No, 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 no. They're just going to print it. You can't. You can't, you can't you got, we're going to default, guys. Nope. Default, through, default, default, through, default, default through printing or default as far as just not paying the debt. They're going to make sure that they go. So here's a question. Hyperinflation, quantitative easing, will it result in hyperinflation or will they mitigate some of the paper exposure by going transitioning us into solely digital? So they don't have to print all that stuff. We'll know when we get there. Yeah. But default is definitely in the cards on some level or restructuring. And restructuring. even though it'll be a sham, it, it's still got to happen. We just can't pay this debt, right? I mean, it, George, it, exactly. It's, it's insane. Yeah. yeah I think it, inflation, it, though, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Ben. I, I saw a Macro Voices episode with Russell Napier, and uh, he was talking about. Uh, specifically inflation and how it's reduced the debt of so many countries. And he wasn't a proponent of inflation, but he was saying that you got to look and see that it does bring down the debt to GDP ratios. If you go back to the 1970s, uh, you'll see that that's happened in the United States. And um, yeah, I, I think that's the only option for them. If, if they could create it, they, they've still got to get the money somehow into the real economy. If they just keep uh, it, in the financial economy through quantitative easing, the only thing they're going to do is just blow up more asset bubbles or asset bubbles higher than they already are. That, that's the big challenge for them right now, getting that money into the real economy. I think that's where MMT comes in. There, there is a there's an event that hardly any of us actually think of when we're talking about this. We have bankruptcy laws right and bankruptcy laws allow for the eradication of the debt that is then absorbed as a loss towards the government in you in your actual tax filings with the the government they it's this system, which I do not agree with, but damn, it was actually built to protect itself. It that's that's one thing you can say is this system was actually built to balance itself out, where inflating money and causing a massive pool of debt. At and if it's triggered where there's lots and lots of actual bankruptcies, which is what will happen, we'll have a collapse or whatever we're in now, and we'll have small, like mom and pops, places go bankrupt. We'll have uh, larger places go bankrupt. This, this will all happen, but it isn't going to all happen at once. And it it might actually take a year or two or three to transition, but we'll always have debt. As long as there's humans, you'll have some friggin' dumbass that's going to go out and get a student loan so he can learn, you know, uh, the history of European art 
and he thinks he's gonna, you know, actually make a living off that. And as long as there's humans, at least half of us will be stupid. And you have to account that the smart, it's just how it is. The smart take advantage of the capital produced by the stupid. Yeah. Mike, Mike, do you want to address that question that the the person had about hyperinflation? Why haven't we seen it yet? Because of all the money printing. Okay, if here not- we go. So we're we'll touching on this will be the last question. Then we're at our hour point, so we can go forever. But everybody, I'm sure, got stuff to do. I know I do. So. I ain't got nothing going on. I do. I got working here. I got. I got to take my son somewhere, and then I got a date night. So, uh, question: I can't explain. Boy, yeah, your wife date. better not find Wait a out. You, you found somebody to go out with you? <laughs> <laughs> so so I, said, I can't explain hyperinflation. Has it not happened yet? Do you guys know? Yeah, I do. You want me to take that? Take it. Yeah. Touch on it. Okay, so what low blood, low blood pressure, what you have to understand is that there's two different economies. It's easy. It's easier if you look at it that way. There's the financial economy and then there's the real economy. And what happens when the Federal Reserve prints money and buys assets, they call it open market operations. They're buying, let's say, treasuries from uh, mostly the primary dealer banks. Okay, that that's all in the financial economy. So that money that gets printed out of thin air that you hear about when you're listening to podcasts or shows like this, that goes from the Federal Reserve to the banks to let's call them the big banks like the JP Morgans. And then the JP Morgans take that money and they go into the corporate bond market. They go into the stock market. They go into the derivatives market. They put it into uh, into the FX markets. They do all these things with it. They but they but they don't lend it out to consumers. There's a you have to understand there's this big wall between the real economy and the financial economy. And the only way for that money or any type of, of to, to Alan's point earlier, the only way for that money to get into the real economy is if the retail banks lend it into existence. So you can have this situation where retail banks aren't lending any more money into existence. And therefore the money supply in the real economy isn't growing while at the same time, the Fed's balance sheet is going from zero to $4 trillion. So in other words, you're seeing hyperinflation. You're just seeing it in assets because that's part of the real economy. And until they're able to uh, increase the money supply and the velocity in the real economy, you're not going to see that hyperinflation show up. But in the meantime, prices will go up. Am I correct? Will we see see inflation in consumer goods that, that they're trying to keep that the bubble territory from actually touching or will the stock market go up, housing market, all the inflated assets, they'll continue to go up to astronomical amounts. Get you some How will it not impact? Get some silver. How yeah, will it not impact our food, our gas, our living expenses, and all that stuff like that? Well, there's a caveat there, Mike, because there's so many dollars that exist outside of the United States. So that's that's the third economy that I that I didn't mention. So Jeff Snyder, as an example, believes that there's so many euro dollars outside of the United States that that is actual the global reserve currency. It's not the dollar. So if you think that or if you believe that and Jeff Snyder is one smart dude, mm-hmm. uh, let's just call it twenty five trillion dollars outside of the United States that have been created 
by the euro dollar system and, and a variety of other ways. Well, if, if the dollar starts to go down, if there, we start to lose confidence or the, the world starts to lose confidence in the dollar, let's call it the petrodollar or anything else. And th those dollars start flooding back into the United States that will get into the real economy. So there you've got a scenario that could play out where it doesn't really matter if the, the retail banks are lending and creating more money that because there's so much there's just this flood of money cascading into the real economy into the united states that's been created outside of our umbrella now well, does that include the reserves that china russia and everybody are holding on to that they've been let, slowly but surely spending and getting rid of the de-dollarization process or are we talking yeah. about something completely different no that yeah, that could be reserves. That could be a lot of things. But I think that uh, I don't think most people appreciate how many dollars are out there outside of the United States in outside of central banks control. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't think a lot of people appreciate how much the SARS 2.0 is going to impact this whole discussion, quite frankly. I mean, yeah. for instance, I'm looking at an article just popped up on Bloomberg. Uh, mind delays in China are, are already starting to go through the system. Coal is Stop. already Put becoming a problem. Huh? Put it in the chat. Put that link, the article in the chat. I'll put it up real quick. Okay. Yeah. Uh, coal is becoming a problem. That's how China produces their energy. So coal prices are going up, and they're going to start doing shipments coming in from Indonesia, which is only two weeks away. So this supply chain is beginning to domino through the system, and everyone yeah. needs to keep a close eye on this kind of thing. Absolutely. That's inflation right there on coal. <laughs> that 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 is one thing her and I completely agree on. She is the second or third wickedly intelligent person I've heard link this with the uh, Spanish flu, which is, it, it's, there's a reason that they're doing it. And as for the uh, global inflation and all of that, I don't think that the euro dollars are 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 going to flow in to America because we have nothing to buy, right? I think that those global or uh, euro dollars are going to flow into a lot of like silver and gold and cryptos. That's they're going to look for a safe haven that is not linked with anything American. Like, they're not going to try and go, well, we're going to use our dollars and we're going to buy American land because Trump can just go, ah, sorry, those contracts are canceled. You know, and so they're, those euro dollars, I don't see them rushing into America more than I see them rushing into uh, oil and gold and silver and cryptos, safe haven assets. Yeah. And the plumbing, the plumbing for the big cryptocurrency purchases are now there where there are these large corporations, these over-the-counters, where you can acquire 10, 20 million dollars of Litecoin, of actual Bitcoin. I've actually been involved, the largest one I've ever been involved with was about a four million dollar 
cryptocurrency buy at one time. And the rich, the wealthy, are getting involved in this. And I can actually say from personal experience, helping them do it. Yeah, that's a very interesting thought experiment to to try to think about. You know, if, if you were someone that had, call it $100 million U.S., but and you were a citizen of uh, South America or somewhere, you, you know, and you and the dollar started collapsing. What do you do? Got to go buy something quick. And so, like I was saying, like George, uh, like from talking about issues down in South America, people buy real estate. And so uh, everybody who, from, from my experience, they go buy up everything they can find in their little city or town and become landlords or, or homeowners and have several homes to own. So I am. That's why I wasn't surprised that the prices in housing in Medellin wasn't so high. What wasn't relatively high. I'm thinking everybody should be buying everything up down there, but that doesn't appear to be the case for most people. So yeah, but it's a very. It, but Ben brings up a great point. It's a very interesting uh, thing to kind of think through how that would play out by putting yourself in that position. And uh, yeah, it, there's, there's no easy answer. That's for sure. You sure in the hell ain't gonna go. Let me go over to America and buy something in in America because. It just like gold and silver and what we talk about, it's not in your hand. You'll have a derivative or a title or a claim or you'll have a piece of paper saying that you own something. Then all of a sudden over in America, someone else writes on another piece of paper and says you don't own what your piece of paper says you own now. Yeah, but what's interesting is we've seen both. Right. Like in the last uh, 10 years, we've seen all this capital flight out of uh, let's call it China and look at home prices in Vancouver or Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles, uh, New York. But we've also seen Venezuela, uh, to your point earlier, where there's uh, not necessarily a rush into U.S. real estate, although you might see some in Miami. But you got more of a rush into the uh, cryptocurrencies, and initially, I might add, into local real estate and the local stock market. Uh, it's not like I'm a huge stock market bull, but I, I've got to uh, be honest in the sense that when people do start uh, losing confidence in the currency, regardless of what that currency is, a lot of times for the first year, call it or a couple of years, they pile into the stock market. Now that changes over the long uh, the long term. But, uh, you know, we've seen both in, in recent history, the, the move into the U.S. and the move into cryptos and everything else. Yeah. Michael, this is Alan. I'm going to have to check off in a couple of minutes. I just want right. to so add one more thing. Yeah, add uh, that. We're going to get ready to dial back. Okay. The, uh, the, there was something you put up from Rolf, and he said $1 trillion annual deficit is insane, mm -hmm. and absolutely it is. Especially, yeah. you know, if you think about one trillion seconds, it's thirty-one thousand seven hundred nine years. Uh, <laughs> the other thing is that we need to truly understand the system to fix the system. Because, again, I don't care what money is. What I care about is who creates it, who extinguishes it. Because money comes into existence, it goes out of existence. It's all done in bookkeeping, and who gets the benefit of this? Right now, the people of the country are the only ones who actually hold money. Banks have no money in their own name. They only have reserves. U.S. government has no money in its own name. It only has reserves. Money and reserves are not the same thing. All the reserves that a bank holds 
is not considered part of the M1 money supply. And the Fed itself has neither money nor reserves. That's because it has the power to create them. And Ben Bernanke clued me into this. When, when, the, uh, when the Fed went out into the market post-2008 and acquired $2 trillion worth of treasuries, he, he didn't say it was a journal entry, but what he really described uh, when he was speaking to the students at George Washington University in March of 2012, he basically described a journal entry. He basically write a journal entry, hit enter, gets posted. That's how the Fed acquired $2 trillion worth of treasuries. It just increased the balance of the banks that it got the treasuries from, their reserve account balance, hit right. enter. Right. This is right. how it happens. And this kind of power needs to be returned to the control, the benefit, the understanding of the people. Uh, thank you again for letting me be on my the program. This so, is great. So my thing is, I don't think there is no way to fix this situation and then to return it back to the people, to the same people who we can't trust automatically is like, it's a lose-lose in, in, in the way that things is currently going. So that's why I'm not optimistic in regards to being able to fix this mess, apart from there being some type of restart, reboot, reshifting or something. Because once again, majority of people are, are oblivious to what's really going on behind the scenes anyway. So they wouldn't even care less about fixing it. Nevertheless, Bingo. doing something about it. So that's, that's my concern, Alan. Like, how do you, how do you fix it? Can't. Well, I, if we if you want to do that on another program again, I'm sorry I got to check out because I got right. to move on to the to radio. But I will tell you this simply: the fix, the absolute fix, is simple, doable. It's easy to understand. It's easy to explain. It doesn't create. It doesn't require some massive change in our system. We have to do one thing and one thing only. What's that? Take the power to create and extinguish money away from the banks. I'm not anti-bank, anti-bank people, anti-bank buildings. They're fine. We need them. Just take the power to create money away from the banks, return it into a into an entity owned, controlled, directed, monitored reports to the people, not the federal government. Because we've already seen what they do. They gave this away with the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. And, and when the power to create money and extinguished money is held by the people. Again, this is the top. This is a longer topic. Uh, you can actually fund your federal government without it needing to actually borrow. That's my welcome position. to cryptocurrencies. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I, I apologize. I got to go because I got okay. a program at one. Well, good deal. Well, good having you yep. here, Alan. Any last thoughts? Anybody want to sign off, or George, you want to get a last thought in, or what? Oh no, yeah. I was just waving to Alan. Okay. Uh, George, Silver Ben, whatever your name is, Trader <laughs> Staff, Michael, thank you so much. This has been a blast. It is. I look it's forward to fun. more. Everybody be safe and well. All right. All right. Well, that is it. So everybody be blessed, be safe. Thanks for tuning in. Check out George Gammon YouTube and Fed.us. We got Trader Staff on Twitter and Bitcoin Ben on YouTube and Facebook and everywhere else. And other than that, see you guys later. Peace. Later. Be safe and well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right.